and we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right, this episode of the Electric Podcast is brought to you by Electrify America, the largest public fast-charging network for electric vehicles in North America. Uh, we're going to have a little bit more to say about them later on on the show. Stay tuned for that. Uh, we're going to start off the show with uh, Tesla's earnings, because that was this week on Wednesday, and uh, it was um, unsurprisingly <laughs> record earnings after this record deliveries that happened, um, well, that happened the same quarter, but it was released um, a few weeks ago. And the expectation, because of those record delivery, the expectation were high, uh, but Tesla mostly met those those expectations. The revenue a little bit down uh, from based on the estimated website. The Wall Street was expecting fourteen billion and um, earnings of one point fifty nine per share. And Tesla delivered thirteen point seven billion, so seven point five, so two hundred fifty billion dollar off of their earnings, which sounds like a lot, but on thirteen billions, it's not that much. And uh, but they had a, a significant beat on earnings at one point eighty six dollar per share. Uh, versus again 1.59 so that's a big beat on that front um record gross margin automotive gross margin at 30.5 percent which is uh, amazing record operating margin operating profit and uh however the the cash on end went down to 16.1 billion uh because this actually repaid a lot of debt the last quarter so uh, overall the balance sheets looks better but the uh, cash on in is down, but at $16.1 billion, I don't think Tesla is in uh, any trouble for now, especially the trajectory they're, they're looking at. But yeah, the, uh, the, big, the big thing in the actual report was, uh, was gross margin related. Like this, this is Tesla increasing, really. Uh, if you look here, Tesla's first quarter was 26.5, last the Q2, 28.4, and now 30.5. And that's Despite Tesla claiming that they have like significant supply chain issues uh, that creates cost pressures for them, also we know that logistics, any, any kind of logistic cost, transport, and everything, it's uh, super expensive these days. Containers are expensive, um, the trucks are expensive, the trains are expensive, everything's expensive right now. So the fact that they are increasing their gross margin amongst that is is something else. Uh, of course, you have to link that to the pricing. Tesla's prices have increased a lot during that timing. So we've been reporting a lot on the Model 3, the base Model 3 going up like $4,000 this year. Uh, Model Y is something similar. So uh, we we as customers are paying the cost for that. But Tesla um, is, is basically trying to achieve their gross margin goals despite those uh, cost uh, increase. And uh, they're doing that with pricing right now. Yeah, it's uh, you. You bring up a really good point. Uh, a lot of times when uh, you know we cover Apple, obviously as well. Uh, when Apple gross margins grow a lot, you hear Apple fans go, "Hey, that's great," but really, that's just you. They're paying a lot more for their products than you know. It obviously costs Apple to make them. Mm-hmm. This is the same thing. Like uh, if you're a Tesla investor, margin growth is fantastic. If you're a Tesla owner. You, you kind of don't want to hear like too much of that because that just means you're paying a lot more than it costs to make the vehicle. And, you know, obviously they make a great product. So, you know, why, why not charge a lot for it? Charge what you can make, you know, can get. And obviously they're having a hard time making enough of them. So adding a little uh, cost is not going to hurt their, uh, their uh, demand. So, you know, on, on one hand, if you're an investor in Tesla and you see the gross margin go up to 30%, 
you're like, that's good. But if you're uh, thinking about buying a Tesla, you're like, hmm, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and um, but obviously, I think it's also good in general for electric vehicles because it shows other automakers, like, look what kind of... Because the automakers, especially right now, that a 30% gross margin is uh, is not attainable for them. So they look right. at that, they're like, all right, these guys are only selling electric cars and they're getting that kind of gross margin. This is good signals to send the industry, I think. So that's uh, that's what... We, uh, the the shareholder letter was pretty um, plain. Other than that, like normally Tesla is like kind of sneaking some news and anything on that. It was it was kind of low on that. We uh we we're gonna get to that of uh, a little bit of uh, of news that we we get from it. Oh, why is it telling me to back up there? Mm, okay. Um, and really the conference call after it was also a little bit more plain than usual because Elon wasn't on it. Uh, he did signal that last um. Uh, was it the last earnings call? Yeah, it was on the last yeah. earnings call that he, he did say that he won't be attending those anymore. Well, which, he said, it, I'm not going to be attending it by default anymore. Yeah, by default. So it might still pop up every now and again. And um, I mean, I don't know about it. Like, it's some people say, oh, Elon's time is so important that they shouldn't spend his time on that. But then, like, he's the CEO of the company. There is not a lot of companies out there where the CEO, like, the main, the top executive of the company is not present at the quarterly check with investors and analysts. Like, this this is, like, the shareholders asking questions and analysts following the market, keeping an eye on Tesla. Like, it's, it's, it's pretty standard, but Elon is above that, apparently. Well... You know, I didn't listen to the whole thing because it, it was getting kind of boring. But like to me, it kind of felt like all the questions had been pre-selected beforehand, and all the answers were kind of being read off afterwards. Yeah. So it's kind of like maybe he, you know, checked off on all the all the questions and answers, and then was like, "All right, you know, dispatch, go yeah. do that." So here's the thing: like, I don't want to take anything away from the executive that were on the call, like Lars Marvery, the Drew, Drew Baglino, and all those guys are great. Like they, yep great engineers, the great executive, great leadership, um, they don't have the same freedom as Elon has to respond exactly. to the question. Like they know that there's someone above their head and they want to please that person. They don't want to like do anything wrong. So they, they have limitations. So they have to operate with that. And like you said, it sounded like at least for all the say technologies question, because then of course right. the last period with this analyst question, but let's be honest, normally the, Say question a lot better than analyst questions. Well, I'll do I mean, democracy, like in the or I'll vote it and everything too. So that generally works better. But anyway, those were all, like you said, they, they had their answers ahead of time. And most of them, they were pretty bland. Like they, they really didn't release any new information. Like they would even say it, as you've seen recently, as we already discussed, like they were. Always like referring back that there's no news here. Don't don't pick this up as news, <laughs> which of course for us is not great as reporters on the on this, but uh, we'll survive. And one tiny bit of information that I thought was really interesting uh, was that Tesla confirmed that they achieve an annual run rate of one million electric cars. Um, we we kind of gave them that when they released the delivery numbers that last quarter with a production of two hundred and thirty seven thousand vehicles. It's not quite two fifty, which would give you an annual run rate of uh, a million. But I mean, it's it's pretty close. And uh, but what uh, Zach Kirkhorn said during um, Tesla CFO said during the the meeting, the conference call, 
He said that they achieve an annualized production run rate of over over a million cars towards the end of the quarter. So that means that on a, probably on a weekly basis, uh, if you annualize that, they achieve over a million cars uh, a year, which is incredible. And it looks good for Q4, unless there's the supply chain issues get worse or anything like that. Uh, Tesla should be good to surpass then 250,000 units produced and uh, maybe deliver more than 250 units. But, uh, I mean, if Elon is right, because if you remember, we've been reporting a lot on that last quarter, the delivery wave last quarter was extremely painful for Tesla, extremely painful for Tesla employees, uh, as it's often the case. Though I, I, t- I talked to quite a few Tesla employees, and some of them were like, yeah, I mean, it was like, it's always like that. <laughs> they, do, they didn't see it as much worse than usual. But the volume was more, there was a lot more volume than usual, so that there's no doubt about that. And the stats show that. Um, but Elon said that they would even let deliveries slip into Q1 2022 in order to smoothen the delivery wave at the end of the quarter. So, because um, if you look at the delivery versus production last quarter, the, the, the deliveries were significantly higher than production, like almost four five thousand units or something like that. Right. So maybe it won't be the case this quarter. So something to keep a look at. But yeah, a million annualized production rate is incredible for Tesla. Like if you remember just a few years ago in 2013, Tesla was producing 20,000 cars a year. Now they get to a million. It's uh, it's night and day, really. Yeah, and they said Shanghai is now outproducing uh, uh, Fremont. So theoretically, that's over a half yeah. million. Result. And uh, this is the install annual capacity. So if you look, actually, Shanghai is still below Fremont. Fremont is is written down as six hundred thousand a year. Uh, but of course, we know that's the install and production capacity is not exactly the same. Like the they said that they can produce a hundred thousand units of Model S and X a year. That's not, that's not true right now. They need to ramp that back up after the uh, the refresh. And um, even Model Three, Model Y doesn't make much sense. So I think they, I think they have the capacity there, but they probably cannot run it with the supply chain issues, maybe. So that that's probably more the problem. While Shanghai has been uh, extremely uh, re- not uh, resilient in the in the supply chain problems. And uh, oh yeah, uh, speaking of production, a little tidbit of information that Zachary uh, mm-hmm. dropped too is that. While Tesla still expect to start production at Berlin and um, Texas this year, uh, we shouldn't expect deliveries from those uh, for, for, from those production facilities this year. So production could start, but not deliveries. And he did say that there's regulatory approval uh, in place too, because because those new Model Y are going to be significantly different from the Model Ys that Tesla produces right now. So uh, they're going to have to be, get approved to get to EPA testing and. Uh, uh, safety testing and everything. So, right, uh, something to, yeah. And on top of it, we just learned this week that Tesla had a significant setback in in Berlin, where it might be a ways off. The, they have to go through the objection process, the online object consultation with the local citizens again because of a technicality where uh, they they claim that uh, there wasn't enough notice or something like that, and now they have to go through the whole process again, which is going to run from, I think the. November 2nd to the 22nd. So they have to go through the whole process again. It's going to be open for almost the whole month of November. Then they have to review that again. And then Tesla might be able to get approval. So it looks like approval won't arrive until at least December. And even then, that might be 
ambitious. So German bureaucracy is still a challenge for Tesla at uh, Gigafactory Berlin. Maybe we can uh, invite again our, our new friend, David, from Tesla Wealth uh, to uh, to look that up. All right, another uh, a little bit of an announcement from Tesla during the earnings is that uh, they plan to triple the size of the supercharger network within the next two years. So that was confirmed by Drew Baglino, Tesla's uh, basically de facto CTO now, but uh, officially the senior vice president of powertrain and battery and enge- engineering. Would you call him number two? I mean, uh, yeah, probably in the in term of engineering is like the the top guy. But Lars Morvery, which has also been at Tesla for forever now, is like the head of vehicle engineering. So he's more like right. the head of uh, in charge of this individual vehicle programs, like the program director. I think report to him. While right. while Baglino is more uh, like overall technology feels like much like uh, what GB was before. Right. So that's why it feels more like a CTO role. And then Franz is, is you know, design lead, yeah. not typically a number two kind of role, but no. he's been pretty close and he's on stage quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a forward-facing role at times too because he's, he's just, he presents himself very well and talks very well too. So in contrast to Elon sometimes, though Elon has been getting better. But anyway, we, we cannot, like, again, what this show this week is like, we cannot complain about Elon having sometimes like being difficult to understand or to follow in his public speaking is like at least it gives you a lot it gives you information which is uh, not always right information especially when it comes to timing uh, but uh still it's uh it's more fun let's say so he did note that uh in the last 18 months claims that tesla has managed to reduce the average congestion on the network so that was a question that was what what are you guys doing to improve uh congestion traffic and the network we, we've seen it every now and again like just untolerable lines at especially in california and some uh some areas where tesla there's a uh, high numbers of tesla per capita he said they reduced that but he did acknowledge that in some region it's still a problem and he said that tesla is now aiming to triple the size of the network uh within the next two years we've heard that from tesla before and they re- didn't really stick to that goals uh, of course, there was the introduction of the V3 during that time, the last time that Tesla had that goal, and uh, the, there was a lot of delays introducing the V3 superchargers, was, I, I think, uh, and their Tesla achieving that. But uh, right now, Tesla has almost 30,000 superchargers out there, so tripling the size of the network within the next two years, it, it's a big deal. Um, one advantage I think Tesla finds itself in right now in achieving that goal at that time is that... Um, well, if they have finally passed that infrastructure bill, which is not not a done deal, but that there's 7.5 billion that's going to be unlocked towards accelerating EV infrastructure in the U.S., and we know that one of the requirements is that you open the network to more than one automaker. And at the same time, Tesla made that announcement that they're going to do that. So they basically signal that we are going after those funds to accelerate the supercharger network. That's basically what they're saying. So that money is going to help them accelerate that a lot, but. I don't think that money is also one one of the big bottlenecks right now for Tesla and the internal supercharger network. It's just it, it's hard to deploy a new tra- a new station for not just for Tesla but for anyone. Like you need the uh, permits approval, you need to the connection. You need a contra- you need to find a host uh, for it. You need to find a contractor. You need to find you need to have the deal with the electric utility, local electric utility. It's a uh, it's a lot of things that needs to come together at once to make them happen and. If you're trying, like now they have 3,200 stations. So 
if you're trying to deploy 6,000 of them within two years, managing 6,000 projects like that uh, with uh, just uh, 700 days, basically, to, to do it, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. You need a giant team to do it, a lot of logistics involved. All right, another uh, information that came out during the meeting is that Tesla confirmed that they're moving the model 3 standard range being produced at the Fremont factory to uh, LFP, to iron phosphate chemistry, cell chemistry. And so this is something that Tesla sort of indicated last quarter when they um, they sent this email to some people in the U.S., the Model 3 buyers, telling them that they could get a car with a different standard range, uh, which made it sound like it's going to be the LFP. but that's the one thing that I don't like about Tesla. They're not being transparent about that stuff. Like the the the, yeah. e- the email was cryptic, and like people didn't know for sure what they're buying. Am I buying a Chinese car? Am I buying an American car with a Chinese battery? What am I buying here? Um, but what's that? Tesla did release a little bit more clarity into it, though not that much, to be honest. Where they say that in in the shareholders letter, the 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 phrasing was for standard range vehicles. We are shifting to lithium iron phosphate LFP battery chemistry globally. So globally is the important word here because in China, where Tesla's standard range vehicles include both Model 3 and Model Y, Tesla already shifted to LFP. So now they say globally. So then we have to go to Fremont because those are the only other vehicles in production right now. And in Fremont, there's only one standard range vehicle, and that's the Model 3. So basically, Tesla is confirming that right now we are shifting the Model 3 standard range to LFP cells. Now, that raises the question, where are they getting those LFP cells? Because the only production LFP cells, this is, this is a Chinese technology LFP. Like, it's been developed in China, and it's been uh, only produced in China. I think Tesla buys them, their cells right now from CATL, and there's been a bunch of rumors that they're going to buy them from BYD, too. Though those haven't been confirmed. So are they, so are they importing the battery cells to the U.S., then making the batteries there, and then putting those batteries in the Model 3 standard range in Fremont? I don't know. Um, also, the fact that they didn't specify that it was just the Model 3 in Fremont, since that's the only other standard range, I would assume that maybe with um, Gigafactory Texas and Gigafactory Berlin, Tesla, not right away, but eventually might introduce a, a standard range version of the Model Y there and um, produce that for European and North American market, that it would make a ton of sense, especially if Tesla wants to get to a million Model Y a year. Uh, I think you need a standard range to do that. And um, so those could also be LFP. But then, um, the, so the, that was um, actually an analyst, I think, that asked that question. is like, all right, if you're moving to LFP production globally, are you going to produce LFP cells locally? And then uh, Baglino responded, yes, certainly our goal is to localize all key parts of the vehicle, at least on the continents, if not closer to where the vehicles are produced. So that is our goal, and we're working internally and with our suppliers to accomplish, and not just at the N-assembly level, but as far upstream as possible. So yeah, this is a good example of like not not really like a, a straightforward answer, but just like in general, they are trying to bring yeah, it doesn't promise anything or yeah. give give timelines, which frankly, like it's you know, safer for sure. Safer safer yeah. and doesn't set expectations, which I, I know the uh Elon likes to do. Yeah. Now as far as LFP batteries, um, are they the same format? Are they like prismatic or how what do they look like inside the uh That's the thing. Generally speaking, we have only seen LFP cells that are in prismatic or pouch format. 
not right. cylindrical cells like Tesla use, and we know that Tesla exclusively use cylindrical cells. So I, I'd be curious to see an actual LFP pack from Tesla being broken down and see that confirm that there were still cylindrical cell in there, which I would assume because Tesla's whole battery pack technology is built around cylindrical cells. Uh, but we do know that CTL, another company, has been working on 4680 format um, LFP cells. So mm-hmm. this this is most likely what we're going to see in the future uh, Model Y, future Model 3. Um, but uh, uh, One of the commenters said the LFP cells are prismatic. Um, Sandy yeah. Monroe uh, broke one down, I guess. Yeah, that's an interesting shift for this. Look, is that, that, that would be changing a lot of their uh, battery pack technology. But uh, or modules, I should say. Like, well, I feel like Elon said something about uh, we don't trust uh, lithium ion in prismatic form. We only trust it in cell form. But he didn't say anything about LFP specifically. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's also like the rumor of Tesla buying the bio, the BYD uh, batteries with LFP. It's those new blade battery cells, which. Right. Uh, I mean, it's, it's they call it blade because they claim it's like a new format. But if if anything, it's it's closer to a prismatic cell than a cylindrical one. So that yeah. that would be an interesting uh, move too. And uh, basically, the blade the blade cells like NFP is already like a safer chemistry in itself. But right. with with the like slimmer blade like form factor, apparently that improves the the safety even more. Like if it gets uh, pierced, it's uh, it's not going to catch on fire or at least not spread to other cells. And create a, a thermal reaction throughout the entire battery pack. That would the BYD thing would be interesting because uh, Elon has already talked a little bit of smack about BYD. Mm-hmm. Uh, Other cars, a, the cars. Okay, in a Bloomberg <laughs> interview. Yeah, maybe in 2013, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. It's been a while. All right. Um, yeah, Tesla last weekend started deliveries of the Model X, the refresh version. And uh, what what that does is that's bring back the full lineup. So in almost a year, Tesla didn't have its full lineup for sale, and now they do have their full lineup. And we had a better idea of uh, the production ramp and everything. And um, I took a look earlier this week at the delivery timeline because they got they got updated until I think on Monday they got updated. And for the Model X, it's uh, it's significant because the long range version, which is the one that's being delivered right now, so for for the Model S, Tesla started with the Plaid and then moved to the long range, which makes sense generally because um, Tesla always focuses on the um, uh, on the more expensive version first. But they did the other way around with the Model X, and it right if you place a new order right now, you get a delivery in September of 2022. So you're basically waiting a year uh, to get your car. For the Plaid, it's a little bit uh, sooner, but not that much. Uh, where did I? And I put that in somewhere. Uh, July 2022. So <laughs> it's it's not much faster. For the Model S, also been pushed for the long range version to June 2022. So also a significant wait. Uh, the Plaid is much faster. The, the Plaid, apparently, you can get it as soon as uh, December. Yeah, December. It actually accelerated the timeline for the Plaid. It went from January, 20, January February 2022 to December 2021. So and one thing that I would note too that uh, I almost think it's a bug. I, I I didn't check back since then, but the Model X Plaid, uh, the Model S Plaid is still listed at one hundred and twenty thousand dollars. Well, at least it, it was back when I, I wrote this article on Monday. Let, let me check real quick because let's see if Tesla changed that. 
Because if they didn't change that now, it's 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 a feature. It's not a bug, which uh, mm. surprises me. Um, let me just go on the order page. Uh, I'm in Canada right now. I want to switch that to the US. US, okay. Purchase price. No, it's still 120. Okay, so so basically that has to be a feature. Then uh, it's 120 dollars for the 20,000 dollars for the Mall X Plaid. While the Mole S plaid is a hundred and thirty thousand dollars, ten thousand dollar more, and but you're gonna get it in a year or you know whatever. So maybe that's part of the calculus. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's so strange because it is. Tesla always sold the Model X for more expensive, and technically, this should be like it, it's the same car, like the same powertrain. Everything is the same. It's just in the Model X format, which is more expensive. Same thing for the long range version. Long range version. Should be, is the same in both car. It's just the the format is different. You have the Mol S format, the Mol X format, but the, the everything is the same inside. And inside, you have ninety thousand dollars right now for the long range Mol S and a hundred thousand dollars for the long range Mol X. So this is the standard to ten thousand dollars more expensive for the for the X. So I really don't know what's happening there. It's it, it is strange. Might be the timing, like you said, but this, these are for new orders. Both both of them. It's not. Tesla apparently still honors the price that they gave you when when you ordered the Mall X because uh, that that's gonna change as well, change a lot uh, with um, uh, over it, it it did change a lot over the last year. But uh, and even if you want to change your order, and we're gonna get to that in a second, you might be able to keep your original price. Uh, for the Mall Three, uh, things changed a little bit. It was pushed to uh, May 2022, so still like a, you have a six months wait for the base version. And uh, for the Model Y, it's uh, a little bit faster, April, April 2022, but uh, still, because uh, we know that that's... a ways uh, off. Like, yeah. uh, the winter will be over. Yeah. The winter that hasn't even started will be over. So these are new builds. It's if you place your order right now. There's going to be inventory cars, at the end, especially at the end of the quarter, that are made available every now and again, if you can take delivery fast. Uh, this can always be an option for you. So, you, so if you you plan on buying a car, you can take that into consideration. But really, if you place a new order, that's what you should expect right now. So after Tesla started the deliveries of the Mall X uh, last weekend, I got a lot of questions from Tesla Mall X buyers, people that already placed an order over the last twelve months. Because really, there's people that placed their order in October of last year. And still doesn't don't have a car because um, even though even though Tesla stopped production in January, there's people that place an order in October and weren't expecting them until like May or something of the, of the next year, and and then May became of course now basically <laughs> production starts now of the Model X. Uh, but uh, we 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 managed to get a lot of information about at least what Tesla communicated to the employees. So again, again, the frontline employees don't know that much either. Like, but Tesla doesn't know that much either, really, because they are still ramping up production. So really, the the main piece of information is like next month in November, Tesla should have a much better idea on when people can get their car if you already have an order in right now or had one for the next last year. Um, main thing is for now and for um, for the first few months, so until at least the end of the year, Tesla only plans to produce the six-seat version of the of the Model X. So if you have a five-seat or a seven-seat on order, don't expect your car anytime soon. 
Now, Tesla did say that uh, there's a possibility that you can change your order and get it faster, but they don't guarantee anything on the timing. And you have to talk to your delivery, uh, your Tesla advisor to see if you can get the same pricing That because the price went up a lot on the Model X over the last year while the orders came in. So to, to get the same price that you were available for you on the sixth seat a year ago whenever you place your order... Uh, it has to be approved by a Tesla director. So good luck with that. Um, a few other things here. Okay, so right now, most of the people you either have a timing in Q1 or Q2 2022 on your on your orders. Uh, but if uh, next month, again, when Tesla's going to have a better idea of the timing with the production ramp up, you should start to get an actual delivery window, like January 10 to 22nd or something like that. So expect that next month. And Tesla also told employees that uh, the software is not completed on the Model X. So if you take delivery of a early production vehicle, you should expect some software uh, features that are missing and then come later on. But that, that's been the case with the Model S too. All right, should we do a little quick ad read? Uh, we're again sponsored by Electrify America. This episode of the Electric Podcast is brought to you by Electrify America which is now now operates the largest coast-to-coast ultra-fast charging network with more than 650 charging stations, and it's still growing. Currently has plans underway for around 800 total charging stations with more than 3,500 chargers to be completed by December of this year. And it plans to have more than 1,800 ultra-fast charging stations and 10,000 individual chargers installed by the end of 2025. That includes 50-kilowatt to 350-kilowatt chargers near highways, and 50 to 150 kilowatt chargers in metropolitan areas. The newly launched Electrify America mobile apps now offer contactless payment along with CarPlay and Android Auto integration, which is nice. And you can save up to 25% on charging with the new Pass Plus subscription plans. If you have a Mustang Mach-E or a Porsche Taycan or an upcoming ID4, a Volkswagen or a Rivian, you can also uh, uh, use plug-in charge with uh, many Electrify America stations. If you're an EV driver and want to learn more about Electrify America and its growing network of charging stations, find out what they're up to at electrifyamerica.com. That's electrifyamerica.com. Or hit up the link in the show notes. Thanks again to Electrify America for sponsoring this week's show. Yes, thanks, EA. Um, we have a few more news items that we're going to discuss, and then we're going to jump into the comment section in a few minutes. So if you guys have any question um, for us to discuss or, or any specific topic, you can put them in the comments right now. And you can put the questions in all caps so that we know it's a question and not just you guys talking to each other, which is fine too, but um, it's helpful for us. So the other big story this week for Tesla was the Cybertruck. So there was this prototype that was spotted in um, in Central California, in, in an airport in Central California. And uh, Mr. Jesse Sandoval posted on the Cybertruck Facebook page a quick video of it. Okay, when I say quick, I mean quick. It was that, that that's it here. So it looks like it was testing its turn radius. Also, it's potato quality here, so it's hard to tell. But uh, there's a few things that we can confirm from that vehicle. And um, is first of all, there's side mirrors. Uh, something that wasn't on any prototype before, so that's the first thing that ooh, click the light here. It's like, is there, uh, is this an actual new prototype? Because 
we haven't seen, we couldn't confirm that Tesla has, had more than one prototype of the Cybertruck until basically now. And uh, we we had employees that um, that told us that when Tesla brought the Cybertruck to Gigafactory Texas, that uh, the people that were in charge of the prototype there said that this is the only car and the only Cybertruck that Tesla has in the whole world. So uh, that was only a few, like three, four months ago. But this, this with the side mirrors, it, it points to this might be a new prototype. And then Elon also commented because, of course, the goal of not having side mirrors was to have the cameras and have better aerodynamic performance. But this is something that's it is allowed in Europe, but not in North America yet. Uh, there is efforts to change that, but it, it hasn't been successful just now. And um, Elon did comment on it, and he said that uh, they are designed to be easy to remove by the owners. So it does sound that Tesla might still have the cameras down there. But then you can remove the mirror parts and have uh, a smaller footprint for the better aerodynamic if the laws change or if you just realize to decide to go rogue and to remove your, your side mirrors. Yeah, I guess it's like uh, having a license plate on the front of your car. Some people, like in states like New York, where you're supposed to have one, just don't have one. Mm -hmm. And they'll get a ticket every once in a while, but it's the price they pay. I just wonder, like, is this, is his commenting on it specifically? doing him any favors with the uh national highway safety <laughs> people like yeah uh, we're gonna get to that in a second <laughs> but uh yeah and also if you look at the very beginning of the video and again this is this is not easy to see but it looks like they're testing the turn radius and it looks like it's doing a very sharp turn like a very quick turn at the at the very beginning here you can see it and it looks like the rear wheels are moving and uh, this was actually confirmed during the earnings because that video came out like the day before the earnings. And um, where is it? Right there. Uh, who, who confirmed it? Is it Lars? I think it's Lars. Yeah, Lars Moravi confirmed it. He said that um, the the video that uh, he specifically referred to the video on social media, uh, it, it confirms a few key additions like rear steering. So it does show rear steering there. Uh, I didn't specify the degrees of the steering or anything like that, but uh, it's apparently on that prototype. And then it confirmed that Tesla did produce several alpha, a number of uh, alpha prototypes, and now they're moving to the beta phase. So Tesla does have several Cybertruck that they are testing, so that's great news. Uh, in terms of the timing, it didn't elaborate much on the timing. It, Tesla did reiterate that uh, production going to start subsequent to Model Y. Uh, we know that Elon has recently referred to late 2022. Uh, Tesla stopped referring to that using that term, late 2022, for Cybertruck timing, uh, sticking now to after Model Y, which, again, is supposed to start by the end of the year. But uh, I think they are more referring to after a ramp up of Model Y production. They can start focusing on, Model, on Cybertruck production. So I, I think just to be safe, thinking about late 2022 is, uh, is better for, for our sanity. You think it'll hit 2022? I mean, the fact that he's not saying 2022 anymore is a little bit worrying. If you're no, but I, no, I think 2022 is uh, is feasible for sure. Uh, maybe, but not high volume. Like volume is not going to come right. until 2023. That's that's certain. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I, it, it is an improvement. Like we're seeing like more prototypes. Like this is this is good good news in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, more prototypes are good news. But I will say that uh, if Tesla thinks that it can deliver one vehicle before december 31st mm. of that year they will say we're going to deliver it in that year and the fact that they're no longer saying that is a little bit worrying that's all that's yeah. my point 
All right. The uh, the other big story this week in the Tesla universe uh, was this uh, appointment by uh, the Biden administration of a new senior safety advisor for NHTSA with a focus on autonomous driving. So basically a new watchdog for autonomous driving and NHTSA. Uh, something that a lot of people will argue that uh, is needed. Like this is like a very disrupting technology that's that's coming. And NHTSA's job is to make sure that uh, new technology are being deployed safely. Uh, in the firm, but uh, the background of of the the appointee, uh, Missy Cummings, has uh, ra- raised a lot of red flags with uh, the Tesla super fans in the Twitterverse. Uh, I'm calling them Tesla Twitter now because I don't want to call them super fans because I, I there are super fans that are not they 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 don't attach themselves to this group on Twitter that like basically lives on Twitter and are extremely dominant in on that platform uh, but there's also tesla people on twitter that are not you know these people uh, these people yeah we we got we got we got to continue to work on that uh nomenclature <laughs> yeah um yeah for sure but they, they are extremely dominant on that platform so <laughs> that's why I'm, if if they don't if there's like more reasonable people that don't want to be associated with tesla twitter then try to make twitter tesla twitter a little bit less uh, uh of an aggressive space let's say because uh, let, let, let's review the facts here with, with Missy Cummings and, and the, the red flags that really uh, started this whole thing. So the red flags are one. The, the, the one that would be the most credible is just that I think has been blown out of proportion is that she is an independent board member on Vionir, which is a LiDAR company based in Sweden. And she has a stake in it, of course, uh, as a board member. She's awarded stocks. So... This is uh, seen as uh, she's regulating, she, she would help regulate a space where she's uh, actively invested in uh, financially. So obviously this is a problem. And the test of Twitter, uh, they took a problem because, oh, it's especially LiDAR and uh, Tesla is un- not, not anti-LiDAR, but they, they, they think that it's, it's not required to achieve autonomous driving and it shouldn't be used. I think you don't even refer to it as a crotch at, at some point. Um, so that was how they saw a red flag. But my understanding, and I, I reached out to Nitsa about this. I haven't heard uh, from them yet. Uh, but uh, I asked if she's going to have to divest from those those shares. And I assume that she's going to have to once she's get uh, sworn in. Like I, I didn't see any very particular thing regarding Nitsa and, and uh, holding a position on the stock. But there's a bunch of other ethical... like. Uh, guidelines for uh, other government employees and uh, it, it sounds like she's gonna have to so th- this is like kind of a non-problem something to maybe keep an eye on if she doesn't do it <laughs> but i think i think it's just like it's in the works really so i don't think that's gonna be a problem the bigger problem i think and the one that's being most talked about is that she's seen as anti-tesla uh, she's been labeled a member of the Tesla Q, which the Tesla Q in itself as kind of uh, it's a different thing now because it used to be just people that are short Tesla because you, you can tag on Twitter TSLA, so Tesla stock and TSLA Q, which is like the negative version of that stock, the shorts. But it has evolved because of like the Twitter war between the Tesla Q and Tesla people. It just has evolved into Tesla naysayers and pro-Tesla people. So it's not even, I don't think you have to have a, posi- a short position on Tesla. 
And uh, you probably don't. If you look at the shorts uh, interest on Tesla lately, it's at an all-time low. Like the, there's not a lot of people. There's not a lot of big money at least shorting Tesla anymore. Uh, and uh, good for them because they'd be in trouble right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, she she I, has uh, interacted with some Tesla Q members, retweeted them, subtweeted them, whatever you want to talk about them, and. Uh, and what is the biggest issue? In my opinion, she used the Tesla Q block list, which blocks a ton of uh, Tesla Tesla Twitter people, like Tesla super fans and whatnot. Uh, and I don't blame her too much for doing that because I know how those people can be, and they can be extremely harassing on Twitter, and 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 they can be annoying as hell. And if you don't want to interact with them, you block them. However, using a block list, I'm not on board with because then you are letting someone else decide who can and cannot interact with you. And uh, you can have people that never interact. I mean, you'd never said a bad word about it. You'd never, like, harass you or anything like that. And they're going to be blocked just because they, well, technically it would mean that they are harassing someone else. But some, sometimes, of course, like, it's just, it's not that. Like, they just, they said something that other some other person don't like. And then they cannot interact with you because of that. It's So it's not ideal to do that. But... I wouldn't blame her if she would have used the block list after what happened this this week because it just went nuts. Like the the Tesla Twitter took a completely adversarial approach to her, tried to cancel her right away when she when they announced the appointment. And uh, I mean, I there's it, it's a, inexcusable really with the thing they, they they said to her. If you we saw some tweets that are just like appalling, misogynist tweets and all that stuff like. It's um, it again unacceptable, really, for like not representative of the Tesla community that I know for sure. And but even taking taking the terrible comments aside, like the ones that are inexcusable, if you look at the actual approach that they took and to cancel her and everything, I think there's issues with her. Like I think she 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 doesn't have the best understanding maybe of Tesla's technology. Uh, but w- w- why try to cancel her right away? Like. Why not take an educational approach? And like, do do you think like if she does get appointed right now, okay, and you're you're canceling a third fail? What do you think is going to be her feeling about Tesla right now after she's getting like uh, being I mean, called? She had a she had to delete her Twitter. Account. She deleted a Twitter. She she was being called a b word, c word, and all those uh, words that you're porn not, star, like they were, uh, a porn I star mean, because her, of her of her name, her name. DC Cummings. Um, I mean, she uh, that probably wasn't one that uh, a little silly. Yeah, this is you know she what, probably just been getting irony, that all her life. But the huge irony of this whole thing is like her probably her worst attribute is that she's like bad on Twitter. Like she's like you know takes things a little too far, says things she probably shouldn't say as an academic and as a you know neutral party. And you know somebody who's going to become a neutral party, you know she with the memes of like her punching out a guy or, you know, saying white men or something, something, or, you know, like probably not advisable. Yeah. She, like, she's definitely on the, the woke side of thing, which is like, it's basically what you have to be in academics these days. But like it, the woman is as great credentials. Yeah. 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 Great. You um, have like, to give her that. No, like you, uh, she, you can't, yeah. Computer science degree from big university, uh, an engineering degree. Fighter pilot. She's a fighter pilot. First, on. one of the first women in the navy of being a, becoming a, a fighter pilot. Um, then she uh, she became a professor at uh, Duke University. She has her own lab in her lab. 
focuses on testing and um, uh, autonomous driving technologies and other uh, human machine interactions, which is pretty much what you want from uh, someone that's going to regulate that, that, that space. So yep. now the problem is because the, the, I think the Tesla Twitter is already um, they, 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 they see Biden as the enemy right now. They see the Biden administration as the enemy because of a few things, because of uh, the White House event thing with the Ford and GM. They can get invited. That Tesla didn't get invited to. Then uh, the union thing for for uh, the um, the the the. Um, reform of the incentive which is being pushed right now though it's not happening just yet which might might, might never happen might never so. happen but yeah. I, I think this one is, is a fair point on, on their part like this this union thing is definitely gonna hurt tesla i but to be fair i don't think tesla is really the, the main the, i mean it's gonna be the most affected out of uh people that are not unionized because they produce more electric vehicles than anybody else and that are not made by union workers so they're gonna be the most affected for sure but it also hurts like Volkswagen. It hurts Toyota. Well, not Toyota until they produce EVs in the U.S. But like <laughs> all the other uni- a bunch of other foreign automakers that don't use union workers. Um, yeah, I mean VW plans to make a lot of ID fours yeah. next year in the U.S. But the so. real reason is that they want the union vote, and the unions are like this is the the real problem is the unions are strong within the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party right. needs their votes, so they are being giving them like oh you 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 pat our back we're gonna pat yours like this is the whole issue there i don't think tesla is being singled out on that front but it is a problem i admit that the whole white house event thing i you need to get over that this was a purely pr stunt where biden because because a bunch of automakers were siding with trump over the emissions standards and now biden took over and biden was like uh, all all those all those automakers uh dropped out of the lawsuits and then Biden was like look I convinced those automakers to go all electric instead of uh, those emission standards uh being becoming uh less strict so he he made this whole announcement that has by the way zero teeth is just saying that their goal is now to be all electric by 2025 or 2030 whatever it is it doesn't matter and and they were like, yeah, we convinced those bunch of automakers that are producing gasoline cars to go electric. Like Tesla, they didn't have to, to convince them. Like there was no value. And it's like, look, Tesla is going to be all electric by 2030. It's like, yo, we're, we're already all electric. That doesn't matter. Right. So like the fact that they were upset about that and Elon was upset about it, like it's, 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 I, don't, I don't understand that. I do understand more the union thing, but even then, I don't think it's targeted at Tesla specifically. So they already see Biden as this enemy that's just leaving Tesla aside and targeting it or whatever. And now this, this has to be another Biden move to hurt Tesla because Missy Cummings doesn't like the autopilot, doesn't think that it, it does exactly what uh, Tesla has been marketing, uh, which are like, the, she has some fair points. Uh, I think that autopilot is the best driver assist system on the market right now. Uh, I, we, we, her and I would probably disagree on that, but uh, I mean, let's talk about it instead Let's not just attack the woman, try to cancel her, send her mean tweets because she said that she 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 uh, doesn't believe that Tesla's going to be full self-driving taxis by the end of the year, which she's right about, by the way. So, like, uh, if the Tesla fanatic, like like Green Gold just said right now, should just try to to not take the same energy that they have to make Tesla look good in making the Tesla community look good. And not making us seems like rabid fans that are gonna 
like get at your throat if you sneeze on your Tesla. Like it, it, that would just that alone would would help a lot, I think. And um, and you know what? I hope that she's okay because uh, I, I know what this this feels like. If you're not like she's an academic, she didn't have a used Twitter account or anything like that. Like she's not used to getting like Twitter eight like that, and she was boom by it. Like and, and she probably like already like used to bit a little bit because like she was using the block list already so <laughs> you know that she was getting attacked before <laughs> that but this was a whole new level and like the other oh, ridiculous petition on her like that to, to to get her to not being appointed um that make her sound like she's like uh someone paid by the shorts to uh to attack tesla like there's no evidence of that like there's there's plenty of people that don't like the autopilot. There's plenty of Tesla owners that don't like the autopilot. Like they own the Tesla, they own several of them, they keep buying them, but they don't use the autopilot because they don't like it. Like, and are you are, are those people anti-Tesla too? No, we can all have different opinions about these things without being anti-Tesla. Um, and I think I think uh, I, there was even a comment from me see, before this whole thing happened, which she says she loves Tesla. She just disagree on how they do. Self-driving and, and, and even level two driver assist system. Can we just start from there and then build up from there? Like, oh yeah, we, she loves Tesla. Now let's try to educate her on autopilot and what Tesla is trying to achieve with the vision-based system, the neural nets, and and move from there. Anyway, that was my little rant about this. Yeah, I agree fully. And it, you know, I think it's weird because uh, you know these Teslas, people who are very uh, animated and and that. The idea is like they want to, they want to help Tesla, and what they're doing is actually the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like I know a lot of people who are like, "Yeah, I would buy, I would like to buy an electric car," but the Tesla fans have really turned me off that vehicle. So you know, show me a VW ID four or you know what? You know what? Here's the here's the problem. Like you say that, and they don't believe you because they live on Twitter, and right. they get this close feedback loop where they where they're like, "No, like people, everyone agrees with me." Like you see, like all the retweets that I get, all the likes that I get, like they they all agree with me, and they think that this is this is the true Tesla community right there. Like all these people that retweet me, like they they all agree with me. All of Tesla community agree with me, and like this spending too much time on Twitter is not a good idea, in my opinion. It's uh, the good general statement. Yeah. All right, sticking with autopilot, Elon did uh, release a tidbit of information that was interesting this week, especially for Tesla 2.0 owners, where um, some of them were complaining that uh, they had a perfect score. Sorry. <laughs> they had the perfect score, and they didn't get the FSD beta. And like, hey, what's happening? Because today, if all goes well, Tesla released 10.3, and people with a 99 of auto 100 score gets it. So technically, everyone that had 100 should have the, the, the software right now. And uh, uh, people that had Autopilot 2.0 with the FSD computer, so they already had the FSD computer upgrade, they weren't getting it. And uh, Elon commented that, yes, they will get it. But, uh, oh, the tweet, okay. Uh, they will get it, but uh, the, they will need a camera upgrades as well as the FSD computer. So the FSD computer was, I think, if if you bought a full self-driving package right now, you should have the FSD computer already retrofitted. I don't I don't know that Tesla hasn't done that yet. Maybe in Europe or something like that, where where uh, they haven't uh, released more FSD features. Yeah, that that could be the case. But I think in in the US it's done. But now they still need a camera upgrade. So this is something that um, 
was rumored to be happening because we know that Tesla upgraded the cameras a while back and uh, uh, they, they, were, they remained silent. So maybe they thought that they could still achieve some kind of uh, uh, FSD capacity with the old cameras, but now apparently it's not the case. Uh, Elon did say that, and uh, without saying any timing for the upgrade, that would have been nice to know. Like, because uh, this is this is a big like, this is an issue for those people that already bought the FSD package, and now they're like, oh, I don't even have the all the hardware yet. I thought I had the hardware, and now I don't. When I get the hardware, because then in the meantime, you just you spent money for no reason. Um, and also, is it just one or two cameras? Is it all eight cameras? Because all eight cameras, that would be kind of a big endeavor here. I know that some of the cameras are, are easy to replace, like the modules on the side repeaters and on the B pillars are pretty easy to, to change. But uh, the front-facing cameras, the whole the whole thing there, that's a, that's a bigger thing to, to replace. Uh, and, I mean, if it's all eight cameras, it's just it's a lot of, uh, of time, really, to, to do it. And if you have a... Uh, to, to be fair, it's not going to be so high volume because it's Autopilot 2.0, which I think lasted like a year and a half of production, of Model S and X production. So it's not going to be a super high number of cars because it's within those cars, the one that bought FSD. So we have no idea how many, but I mean, it has to be probably tens of thousands, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, that said, these are the people who have been on the FSD bandwagon the longest. They They kind of deserve to be, you know out there they they bought fsd five years ago you know like or you know four or five years ago so like they should really figure <laughs> figure it out like uh if they need to replace the cameras and the, the thing yeah. get it done you know green uh the only of course when the most knowledgeable people outside of tesla about the autopilot uh confirmed that uh it's the rcc camera filter on those cameras that needs to be replaced well but I don't think you can replace that within the camera, so you actually have to replace the camera. But um, so he said it's not really an upgrade; it's just really a replacement. But yeah, uh, this is something that needs to happen uh, sooner rather than later. So uh, hopefully, it can Tesla can communicate some kind of uh, timing and some kind of uh, retrofit schedule for for those people because uh, yeah, it's uh, like you said, those are, so a lot of them probably have bought FSD a while ago. All right, uh, so earlier this week, you did uh, an interview with uh, the COO of Greenlot, uh, a shell company that uh, if you don't know about it, maybe you should because it's kind of an influential company in the uh, in the EV world that uh, people don't talk about a lot, right? Yeah, so Greenlot's uh, about two years ago got purchased by Shell. And at the time, I believe Jamie wrote the article, we were a little bit, uh, I, don't, I don't want to say paranoid or scared skeptical about like hey what is what is shell's ambitions here and shell you know a typical or you know a traditional oil company um isn't just buying greenworks they've made a whole lot of green investments i think they're kind of trying to hedge you know their their investments uh going forward um so it's not like uh you know bp or exxon or you know the saudi saudis buying green stuff, although that's happening as well. But so on one hand, um, we kind of wanted to feel out the situation to see if, hey, are these people actually serious about um, EVs or are they just trying to own and and possibly disrupt um, one of the, you know, main things that EVs do, which is, you know, fast charge on the road. Um, one thing that may scare some people is that Green Lots, the company that uh, Shell bought, 
actually, so they have their own charging stations out there. And um, those chargers are typically a little slower, like a 50 kilowatt. Uh, um, and they're, you know, they're Chatamo and, and the same as like uh, EVgo. Um, but uh, they also control the software and they control the software for Electrify America. I think EVgo. Um, I know they do the software for uh, New York's Evolve, and th- they've got their hands on a lot of stuff. So, like, you know, if Shell had ulterior motives and wanted to do something, you know, to slow EV adoption, uh, they could mess, you know, mess up the software pretty easily. And and so that's a little scary. I don't, you know, I don't want to go too tinfoil hat. But anyway, the conversation with her, um, things I wanted to talk about were plug and charge. That's the, the standard, like, the Mach-E and the um, Rivian and Porsche Taycan and soon the ID4 will have where you can just grab a charger, put it in your car, and it starts charging, kind of like a Tesla. Um, EA is the only uh, company currently doing that in the U.S. Um, Ionity is doing it uh, in Europe. Um, it's like anybody who knows anything about EVs knows that that's the future. What I wanted to hear from her was like that, you know, agreement like yes this is a super high priority and you know we didn't get that she she knows what it is uh she she had some knowledge about it but um it didn't seem like it was a super high priority so you know i did my part in in relaying like hey just my my point of view uh plug and charge um what is it the iso 15 oh something 15 118 yeah 15 118 standard is something that everybody needs to get on board with immediately uh, from car manufacturers, charging companies. Everybody knows, needs to know what it is and everybody needs to get it sorted out. You know, one frustrating thing is the uh, Chevy Bolt um, in Europe has plug and charge. Uh, in the U.S., they don't. I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's because, you know, they don't want it to work on Electrify America too easily or something. Don't know. But uh, it just doesn't seem like the industry gets the importance of this particular standard. And so, you know, I relayed that to her. She understands that. Um, and, you know, we talked about that. We talked about, uh, you know, Shell is building a half million chargers globally um, over the next couple of years, which is a huge amount. Like when you think, you know, we were just talking about uh, Tesla's charging, you know, tripling their chargers. We're talking about um, Electrify America's got chargers, you know, coming fast and furious. Well, uh, Shell is also coming fast and furious with chargers all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also in Europe, obviously, you know, Royal Dutch Shell is based in, I think, the Netherlands. Uh, so that's a big thing. Um, but along with that, um, they're kind of thinking differently about uh, what they're going to have with those chargers because you're staying a little bit longer than gas. Maybe you have a bigger experience. Maybe you have a bigger store, um, more shopping items. Maybe you don't just have food. Maybe you have clothing or other, uh, you know, mall type options available. So they're thinking about, they're kind of like resetting their expectations there. So it's a, you know, a fairly good interview. I think she's very PR savvy, so we didn't learn anything super new, but it's good to see where, they're, where their heads are at. Kind of like the Tesla earnings, really. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's pretty much it. Let's jump into the, the comments. All right. Uh, Let's see. Uh, so we got some information about the LFP being prismatic. 
Um, Jesse Knox is wondering if uh, today's stock price indicates there's going to be a stock split. I feel like uh, Elon addressed that a little bit ago, saying not in the immediate future. Do you remember specifically about that? Yeah, he said at the shareholders meeting that uh, they might in the future do it again, but not at this, this kind of price. What was the price when Tesla did the stock split last time? It was like uh, 1500 or something, $1,200, I want to say? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, so I, w- I would expect something closer to that to do it right now. I, I, but I think someone else was asking like, if the if the new all-time I accounts for, 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 for the stock split, and it, it does, it does for sure. Like the new, Tesla has now achieved a new record valuation, if you will. That's the important part, at $900 million. All right, Spike43 asks, when will we see superchargers with the dual cable design in the U.S.? Well, Tesla. I that we will. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we will either. Or at least for now, Tesla has indicated that uh, CCS uh, is going to be used to an adapter, so not the dual um, charger that uh, Tesla has implemented in Europe for a while. M- maybe, maybe it will eventually, but um, not for now. All right. Uh, unions will not be a problem for Tesla, in my opinion, says Jeffrey Hampton. But what do you guys think about China-U.S. tensions? There's definitely worrying things coming out of China right now. That uh, It's a big market for Tesla. It's a big market for everyone. So it's something to keep an eye on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it could be a problem, especially if they start another like uh, tr- trade war where uh, we, we see Tesla seems to be indicated that they're going to import a lot of Chinese sales right now, something that they didn't do before. So something that uh, could be a problem there, but uh, yeah, also like uh, the whole housing crisis like that happening with Evergrande and all those those, those companies that are uh, having uh, issues there, like a, a kind of a recession coming in China could be a problem for Tesla too, and just because it's such a large market. Uh, Asal four four two says, when will the U.S. start building chips that are as good as China chips, so we can be independent and not held hostage by lack of chip maker? Well, I think the U.S. makes quite a bit of chips. Uh, you know, Intel obviously has some plants here. Um, Samsung has a huge uh, fab in uh, the Austin area, which is probably where Tesla chips are going to be made. So um, I think it's just the whole supply chain and, and also getting a lot of cheap labor, which mm-hmm. uh, China really excels at. All right, Rolla20 says, uh, so when will, when will FSD be truly level 4 or 5 autonomous? Uh, and then 2070 with hardware version 12. Uh, probably before that, but maybe not as quick as uh, we've been hearing lately. What do you think? Yeah, I actually had the opportunity to test drive FSD beta for the first time recently. Uh, I won't get into too much detail. I might talk about it next week if all goes well. Uh, but quick quick reaction real quick. Like I did a good hour in it. Um so just uh, like the headline would be something like incredible computer vision capacity, like perception is appears to have been solved. Decision-making is far from being solved, works okay in residential areas, suburbs, country roads. Absolutely not ready for city driving, not even close. Um, sometime not confident enough, sometime too confident. Hmm. So, uh, robo taxis by the end of this year, unlikely. <laughs> Impossible, really. Impossible. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Rolla twenty also says, at this point, I'd rather have an ID four than a Tesla. The only regret would be no supercharger. Yep. 
Yeah, that's the big uh like every other uh EV maker you're you're giving up the superchargers and that's yeah. that's but painful. Electrify America is going fast. <laughs> so Yep. And uh Shell as well. Yeah. Theoretically. Uh too much Twitter is bad for your health. Okay. Let me get to some caps locks one here. Oh, that's it. Um someone said that uh Missy Cummings is not completely innocent here. She has posted some very anti Elon tweets in the past, even one insinuating that she would punch him if she saw him. I mean, okay, she's not innocent in this situation. That I completely agree with. Like, she, she, as, uh, I mean, she, you have to take, put yourself in people's shoes. Like, she's being testing autopilot in her lab in a way to be critical on it. Like she has to be critical on it and she has like to find like the weaknesses and everything. So that that's, you have to go from her point of view. Um, now for the tweet that you're referencing and it, she, 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 she talked about like sitting down with Elon to discuss the, or, or, or problems with autopilot. And, uh, and then she said like, uh, another person who's also critical of, uh, of autopilot uh, we needed to be her to hold her back, and then she posted a gif of a woman punching a man. I, I mean, this this is not ideal. I understand, like this is not like professional like way to to converse and admit with, with you, to you on that. But I think she meant it more in a way like she wouldn't hold any punches against Elon or something like that. Like it's not really a threat of violence. Like if if anyone is threatened by that, like come on, uh, and. Then on the other side, you look at the test of fans, what they've been sending her over the last week, and uh, I've seen some way worse threats there than uh, than than this gif of a woman punching a man in the face. And I don't, of course, condemn that either. But still. also, I mean, it's it's comical that like their biggest complaint about her is her being like not great on Twitter. Like, yeah. you know, the meme lord has <laughs> had his Twitter issues as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about the pedo tweet. All right. Roll 20. Do either of you have a Rivian on order? Have you heard anything about delivery? Well, yes. Uh, both of us have uh, Rivian uh, orders. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm a little bit more serious about mine at this point, although I, mine is way more recent than, than yours, Fred. Yeah, I placed one whenever I could, uh, 2018 probably. Yeah, and I was told that the vehicle would somehow launch in Canada same time as the U.S., which, as a dumb dumb as I am, I believe that. <laughs> but uh, of course, with my experience with Tesla, I should have known better. Uh, so there's no any not any time of delivery timeline for me in Canada. Um, and then Seth would have been closer to to get his if he didn't wait until actually test driving the car. Who, who does that? Who waits to test drive a car before ordering? I it? know talk about i know yeah it's old old tiny you know, old was, tiny habits that i was gonna get one beforehand and you know there was other things like i have a, a cyber truck on order um i wanted to see when the ford would come out and so i wanted to see all of them i kind of wanted to put them all up against each other because they're all kind of like you know good options uh i'm not even a truck guy like i don't even know why i'm <laughs> buying it whatever mm. but uh you know we, we go to vermont every weekend in the winter it would be nice to have uh something you know that could go through a, a bunch of snow and stuff yeah so that's that's why we're in there and I, i'm moving in the in the country so i need to have a truck to to fit in with the country folks right 
All right. Hey, uh, thanks everyone for the show. It was a great show this week. Uh, enjoyed the interaction. Uh, if you did like the show, please give us a thumbs up. Um, that helps the show for some reason. Or comments down below that also helps. Um, if you're listening on your podcast uh, app, you can uh, give us a five star review. That helps a lot too. And uh, we uh, we're gonna see you same time, same place next week. So have a have a good weekend. <laughs>